Nancy and I are glad to be here. Nancy, raise your hands. We uh, were here somewhere a long, long time ago, 15, 15, 18 years ago, I don't know, a long time ago, we uh, came through. But uh, we're glad to be back with you and looking forward to uh, the time we're spend together. This morning, my uh, desire, my goal is, uh, if you turn your Bibles to the book of 1, Peter, if you don't know where that is, go to the last book of the Bible, Revelation 1, and then turn left about six or eight pages, 1 Peter chapter 1. I love the book of uh, 1 Peter, and I want to preach a series of sermons as a revival out of 1 Peter. I've wanted to do it for a long time. I never have. Then when I read 2 Peter, I'm going, oh, this is really good, too. I want to do 2 Peter. And so I never have done that. I preach series out of uh, 1 Peter on holiness and so on. But uh, I uh, never have got to do the like an overview of the book. So it wasn't too long ago that I was reading, and I thought, well, for this time right now, we could just begin a little stroll a little walk down chapter one and we will uh, uh, do that and so uh, if you'll turn to 1 Peter 1 I want to just do a little walk there going One Peter chapter one. So, um, let's. Uh, we're just. We're just going to read and stop and make comments and read some more and stop and make comments. So that's we're just going to, like I call it, like a walk through or a stroll through. All right. One Peter one verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered abroad throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, let's just, we, so it's Peter. He's the apostle of Christ. He's follower of Jesus. And we know that uh, Peter is the one that walked on water. Every time I read uh, in the Gospels where uh, Peter denied the Lord, you know, he says, before the cock crow, you'll deny me thrice. It breaks my heart every time I read that. I'm thinking, here a man, he's seen Jesus do these miracles, feed the 5,000, amazing, raise somebody from the dead, and heal the leper, and he walked on water. Then he's standing by a fire, and Jesus is being kind of like a kangaroo court, and they're going to crucify him. Peter doesn't know that 100%, but he knows Jesus is in trouble, and he's warming, and somebody goes, you're one of them. You follow him. He goes, I don't know the man. Isn't that heartbreaking? I don't even know the man. And then they said again, you're, you're one of them. Your speech, and then he begins to curse. I know not the man. That breaks my heart every time I read that. And then I think about me. 
how many times the Lord's touched my heart to speak up for him, to say something, and I don't say it. I'm thinking, uh, I'm just as bad as Peter. Aren't you glad God forgives us? He forgave Peter. I love it. Well, Peter is one of these apostles, and he said he's writing the letter to the strangers scattered abroad. And he tells these few cities, these few regions. Uh, when it says the strangers are scattered abroad, and just real quick, is that the Jewish people in Jerusalem, some got saved, and then in the book of Acts, there was this explosion of a bunch of people got saved, and then there was a persecution, and they scattered all over the place. And so Peter's writing the book to them. That's what that's about. Okay, so here we go. Verse number two. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So these strangers, these people, these believers, these Jewish people, he says, you are elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, there are those Bible students, I guess you'd call them, that when you read the word elect, that there's an election that God has done. That's how they view it. And that uh, another word they would use as a synonym to elect is predestined, that God predestined, predestinated somebody. That means beforehand that God decided. That's how they view that. And so uh, it's, it, it, there's a broad name that it's called. It's called Calvinism, as that when someone is a Calvinist or Calvinism, and there might be some of you that, that you dabble in that. You're thinking, well, God's God, and he is. And God elected, God predestined, and the Bible uses those words. And so, but here in this verse, I think that it answers the question and the dilemma it says, elect according to, see, elect according to what? The foreknowledge of God. Well, since God is God, he's God. And since he's God, he knows everything. He knows everything in advance. God knows what's going to happen a thousand years from now. He knows what's going to happen a thousand days from now. A thousand minutes from now, he already knows what's going to happen. Why? Because he's God. He knows what happened a thousand years ago or a thousand days ago. He knows what happened, but he knows what's going to happen in the future because God is God. If we need to, you, you guys okay? I can move that if we need to. Okay, all right. So uh, God knows in advance everything. Just because he knows in advance doesn't mean that he planned it. I don't know if you remember these people like Adam and Eve. God gave them direction, said, do not eat of this fruit of this tree. Do you know what that means? He gave them a choice. Because he's God, he knew in advance Satan was going to trick them, lie to them, and they were going to eat it. Doesn't mean that God planted. God gives humans 
freedom of choice. That's why he says, whosoever believes. If you didn't have a choice, he wouldn't give you that. So I liked what one old preacher said. He said, God elected, like we're, in a, we're having this election to go to heaven. God voted for you. If you don't vote, then you lost the election. You don't get to go. But if you vote, yes, I trust Christ as my Savior, then you get to go to heaven. You, you win the election. I love it. And so on. So that's what that is. It's not that difficult, but some people, they, I think they tangle it all up and mangle it all up. You're going, whoa. Well, if we just acknowledge God knows everything, then we don't have to worry about it. Okay, here we go, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. I think that's kind of, I love it that Peter recognizes he's God the Father. I don't know if you notice in verse 1 he, he talks about Jesus Christ. And now in verse 2 he talks about God the Father. And then if you just keep reading, he said, through sanctification of the Spirit. You got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit there in these two verses real quick. And so it says, uh, elect according to foreknowledge of God through the sanctification of the Spirit. The sanctification, sanctification is a biblical term and so on that we are sanctified. It means that we are, one, one way to say it, it means we're cleansed. Another way to say it is we're set apart. But how did we get cleansed? Through the Spirit. We didn't cleanse ourselves. So God, according to his foreknowledge, we're elected. And it says this is how we did it, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there. The Jewish people knew what sprinkling of the blood is. They did it annually on the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest would go in there uh, for the nation of Israel. And so when they heard the sprinkling of the blood, they knew exactly what that is, that there's blood that is shed for cleansing, and the Bible uses the term for remission, for removal of sin. Keep going. It says, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. So the way we got sanctified is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that incredible? It's not the blood of a bull or a goat or a turtle dove. It's the blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. He left heaven, came to this earth, put on skin, became a human so he could die, shed his blood. Some people think that's kind of gross. They think it's outdated. It's archaic. This is God's plan. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, when God clothed Adam and Eve, there was some blood that was shed so they could get the coats he put on them. Keep going, watch this. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, <laughs> and peace be multiplied. The, the reason this is so wonderful to me is that for a person to be saved, according to the Bible, we get saved by grace. You don't get saved any other way. There's only, only by grace. Why, why do we make an issue of that? Grace is free. It's God's favor that God gives us, and it's free. It doesn't cost anything. 
And so these people have already been saved because he talked about that you're elected and you're sanctified through the Spirit by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. They're already saved. People, I love this, after when you get saved by grace, God gives it to you, it's free. But after you get saved, there's still more grace. It's not just the moment you get saved, that's all you get. Oh, no, you get to get more grace. And so Peter says, to you that are saved, you that are sanctified, oh, by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, I just want to tell you, grace be unto you. I want you to have some more grace. Isn't that wonderful? Today, don't you want more grace? More of God's favor. And it doesn't cost anything. Grace, and then he says, and peace. Boy, uh, this is a time in these United States. There's all kinds of people need peace in there. But let's not talk about them. Let's talk about us. We need daily peace too. And it's available by God's grace. And then it says, peace be multiplied. He's not just giving us little droplets. Oh, we gave a bunch of peace. Multiplied. Keep going. Here we go. Uh, where were we? Verse 3. Oh, this is good. <laughs> Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He already called him uh, God the Father in verse 2. But he's just reminding him. He says, Blessed be God and the Father. Oh, I just want everybody to know he's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I grew up in Kentucky. I was born in Missouri. I grew up in Kentucky. I spent most of all my life there until I went to college. Since college, I've not lived in Kentucky. But I live in Oklahoma. That's my address. And so uh, they say, you know, like I would be called a Southerner. I will tell you there are places south of Kentucky that are, there's, there's still places further south in Kentucky. But I am a Southerner, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm, it's okay with me. But one of the things when I was a kid, and I don't hear hardly anybody ever say it anymore, but when I was a kid going to church service or hearing a preacher preach, every once in a while someone just shouted out, Blessed be God! And it just was a saying that people said, Blessed be God! And I think it sounds good. And I love it that Peter said, Blessed be God! And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's just saying this is all so good that we are sanctified through the Spirit by the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. So he's blessed be God. And the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gave us this grace. To, oh, blessed be God. Is everybody getting it? That's awesome, isn't it? What's this? Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. I don't know if you know what begotten us again means, but doesn't it sound, begotten us again, doesn't it sound, doesn't it sound like born again? <laughs> Isn't that what Jesus said? Ye must be born again. How did we get begotten again? Oh, blessed be God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, he's given us all this grace, and we get multiplied peace. And then he says, Blessed be God, which has begotten us again into a lively hope. Oh, mercy. Our hope is not dead. Amen. It's a lively hope. It's a, here's what it, a living hope. 
And you know, some of us, when we hope, we do it like this. We go, oh, I hope that's not bad news. Oh, I hope and I hope that I hope I make it. I hope that we get there. I hope I don't have any. And we hope and we think it might not happen. When the Bible uses the word hope, it doesn't mean unknown, unsure. Hope in the Bible means this is going to happen. In fact, the deal is our hope is a person. His name is Jesus. And so our hope is a lively hope. No, no, it's a living hope. I'll just go ahead and say it out loud. He raised from the dead. He did die, but he's alive right now. Oh, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Blessed be God. <laughs> I love it. Look at it. He says uh, that we have an inheritance. Uh, no, I missed it. Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Say, just somebody say, blessed be God. Amen. Amen. Okay. Look at this. Uh, verse number four. To an inheritance. Now, when we got begotten again, here's another way to say it. When we got born did again, did? Okay, when we got begotten again, we got an inheritance. It says it like this, that's incorruptible. I'm pretty sure that means it cannot corrupt. It can't diminish. It can't reduce. It stays the same. It's an inheritance. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but most of the time, most of the time when you get the inheritance, someone died. Well, Jesus died. But he didn't stay dead. It's a living hope, a lively hope. Oh, blessed be God. We have an inheritance that will not corrupt. It's not going anywhere. Oh, and he's not even done. He says it's, not, it's incorruptible. Then look what he says. And it's undefiled. That's like the same thing. Incorruptible can't diminish. Undefiled, can't get dirty, can't mess up. It's perfect. Undefiled, then he says, that fadeth not away. Mercy, there's three things already. Corrupt, incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away. Then he does another, number four, and reserved. In heaven. For, <laughs> for you. Oh, hallelujah. It's reserved. Wonder who made the reservation? I'll just go ahead and say it to you. I didn't make it. God made it. Now I've made reservations. I've made lots of them. I travel full time. I've made reservations on planes. I've made reservations in hotels. I've made reservations at restaurants. I've made reservations. Have you ever made a reservation and you stand at the counter and they go, "Your name's not here. We don't have it on here." Well, I made a reservation. Well. We can't find you. I've got the confirmation number right here. Well, we're sorry it's not here. Can you imagine anybody trying to tell God, uh, we can't find your reservation? We've lost it. We don't think you made it. Nobody is going to change God's reservation. I'm just saying it out loud to you. We have an inheritance that's not going anywhere. It's reserved by God Blessed be God, I'm about to say. Isn't that awesome? I just love it. No wonder I want to preach, Peter. Here we go. Watch this. Watch this. This is cool. It keeps on going. Who are kept by the power of God 
mercy, we got this inheritance that's not going anywhere. It's reserved. And then it says, okay, you guys, you're kept by the power of God. I don't know if you're hearing that or not. That means you're not kept by the power of Dave. You're not kept by the power of Jerry. Not kept by the power of Louie. You're kept by the power of God. Amen? It's incredible. We don't keep ourselves. God keeps us. I'm getting ready to say it again. Blessed be God. We are kept by the power of God. Look at this. Through faith unto salvation. Ready to be revealed at the last time. The way I got the salvation, the way I got the inheritance was by faith. That's the only way anybody gets it. By grace are you saved through faith. All I did was believe what God said. He's holy, I'm not. He wants to be the the Savior. He wants to be the Redeemer. He has hope for me if I acknowledge that. I'm kept by the power of God. Through faith unto salvation. Then it goes like this, ready to be revealed at the last time. Hmm, It's ready to be revealed. I already have it. It just isn't revealed altogether. Do you know why? Because I live here. I'm living right here. I live among all this stuff. It hasn't been revealed. I haven't got there yet. I've got to see it. But I'm on my way. It's ready to be revealed at the last time. When's the last time? Well, my mom, praise the Lord, on New Year's Eve, about 6.45 p.m. Central Standard Time, my mom left here and it was revealed. She stepped into heaven. (laughs) Whoa! It was revealed to her right then, man. It was reserved for her all along. She just hadn't seen it, but she sees it now. Amen? If Christ comes back in the next three minutes, if the trumpet blew, it'd all be revealed to us. It's ready. It's ready to be revealed. At the last time, and the last time could be, you know, your death. And none of us got a guarantee. One of us might get to go to heaven this week. That'd be okay. It's ready to be revealed at the last time. Look at this. Oh, Oh, verse 6, wherein, <laughs> did you just see it? Wherein, because it's ready to be revealed, because it's kept by the power of God, because it's reserved in heaven, it fadeth not away. Whoa, wherein we greatly rejoice. Somebody say amen. I'm just going to say it. Blessed be God. If anybody ought to be greatly rejoicing, it ought to be people who are kept by the power of God. People who know they're saved. Amen. That's a Hallelujah. I just love it. <laughs> Wherein you greatly rejoice. Now watch, watch, watch. No, let me just do this real quick. Uh, I only attend independent, fundamental, God-fearing, devil-hating, Bible-believing Baptist churches. <laughs> Nobody else invites me, okay? So I go to these kind of churches. But a sense of, And I've been in church my whole life. I, my dad was a preacher when I was born, and so I've been in church my whole life. And I will just go ahead and say it to you, and I hate to tell you, but I, all these churches, all my life I've been going to, it's amazing to me how many people don't look like they're rejoicing. I'm going, hey, 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 don't you know what you got? 
Don't you remember what happened to you? Don't you know what God's done for you? Don't you know it's reserved? Oh, if anybody ought to be rejoicing, it ought to be like inside this house. It's just so disappointing when there's I mean, when there's uh, people that don't rejoice. They're depressed. They're discouraged all the time. I know there's a lot of yuck out there, but I'm rejoicing. Excuse me, since we're talking about it, I don't take pills to act like this. I, I have a lively hope. I'll just say it, blessed be God. Wherein we greatly rejoice. Now look at the next words. This is, though, now, for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Isn't that wild? Blessed be God, we greatly rejoice. Well, though now for a season, if need be, great heaviness. Now, let's just talk about that a second. Do you know what a season is for a season? Now, I do know if you actually live here, you only have like one season and a part of another. You either have hot or not as hot. There are places on the planet that have four seasons. They have all four of them, and you, know, you may have read about them or seen pictures of them. A season lasts about three months. And I don't know that season means three months. I do know season's longer than a day. If it's a season... There's a period of time that's lapsed. Though now for a season, if need be, ye are in great heaviness. Heaviness? There's something weighing on you. Something is a burden. Something is uncomfortable. It's heaviness. For a season. They're not easy. Where are you greatly rejoice? Even though it's possible right now, if need be, you're in heaviness for a season. Then it says, through manifold temptations. Now, some of you won't know what this means. There will be a couple of you that do. Manifold is not a car part. Manifold means there's many, there's several, there's lots of temptations. So when he describes the heaviness, he said this heaviness comes from all kinds of temptations out there. When I first hear the word temptation, I automatically think of this. You're going to like this. You're going to come here. And it's pulling on me to get me to do something. Temptation. And I do know in my life, I don't know about yours, but I do have like manifold. I got lots of them out there. Temptations. Everybody with me? And some of them are quite a burden. 
Now, if I told you what my, if I told you one, I've got a lot of them. If I told you one of my temptations, some of you might go, that is so, that's horrible, that's so stupid. Why would anybody be tempted with that? But if I heard your temptation, I'd go, what's your problem? How come you were struggling with that? Are you hearing me? I don't know if you've ever even heard the word crispy cream donut. I don't know if you've ever heard that word. If you've never had one, you wouldn't know. But if the hot sign is on, my car just turns in there. I have to fight the car. It just goes in there. I like them a lot. They tempt me. If my family said, hey, Dad, why don't you go to Krispy Kreme, get us some donuts, bring them back. Get a couple dozen, because there's like nine of us. And I go, okay. <laughs> well, I have to buy an extra dozen, because on the way home, I'm going to eat a dozen. <laughs> I can eat a dozen like that, friends. They're just, you just squeeze them, push them in, they melt. That's <laughs> so good. I've eaten a dozen Krispy Kreme at least 10 or 12 times. I, I can eat them. There's no problem. I'm not... The most I've ever eaten in one setting is 16. I've done it twice. I wasn't sick. I like them. It's a temptation. Now, some of you would say, that is so stupid. But I have to fight to not do that. If someone offers me one, I go, no. I want 12. But there's all kinds of temptations. But I, I, do, I do think the temptation is more than just the Krispy Kreme or whatever else you, you and I have trouble with. Look at, look at the next words. I'll tell you why. Look what it says. Manifold temptations, uh, where are we at? Oh, uh, yeah, verse 7. That the trial of your faith. So that's the, the manifold temptation. Whatever it is that I'm going through is going to be a trial about do I really believe what I believe? Do I really have faith? Is everybody with me? So what it all kinds of stuff can be a trial to your faith. It could be an eating disorder. <laughs> it could be a health problem. You could have some health issue come in your life and now you've got to make a decision. Am I going to really trust God in this or am I going to moan and complain and waller around and act like, I don't know, he doesn't love me, he doesn't care about me. Well, how am I going to behave? No, no, it might not be you, it might be your spouse. It might be your child. And they're going through it and your heart is broken and you're going, this is a trial. Are you going to trust God? Are you going to be able to go through this or are you going to stumble around? No, no, no. It might not be a sickness. It might be a, a combat with a neighbor, with a friend, with a family member. There's stuff going. Is anybody hearing me? Amen. It can be financial. There's all kinds of temptations out there that are trying our faith. Is everybody with me? Yeah. It could be like Peter, you're standing by a fire, and people go, you're a follower, aren't you? I don't know. I don't know nothing about it. That's trying your faith. Are you going to stand up or not? Wow. Then look what the next words are that are more precious than gold. <laughs> 
More precious than gold? What? Uh, the trial of your faith. A trial you're going through. So since we're talking about it, I've been in the ministry a long time. I'm not a young preacher anymore. I used, but I'm not anymore. I'm old. And all the years I've been in the ministry, which if you wanted to say since I surrendered to preach, that's 48 years. I've never, not one time, not one time have I visited someone that's going through the trial. And they said these words to me. Brother Dave, it's okay, it's okay. This is more precious than gold. <laughs> never one time. Even though they know what the Bible says, that this is valuable. I've never had anyone go, I'm good, I'm good. This is more precious than gold. Never met them. The Bible says what you're going through, if you'll go through the trial, though it'll be tried by fire, that's how bad it is. It's serious. He said it's more precious than gold if you'll hang in there, if you won't stumble. When is it more precious than gold? Well, while we're going through it, it is, but we don't recognize it perhaps till after it's over. We might not even know until we get to heaven. Keep going. Watch this. This is so awesome. Uh, where we at? More precious than gold. That it might be found under praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's three things that it could be. If we hang in there through the trial, there's three things that it could do. It says praise, honor, and glory to Jesus Christ. If I will go through the trial, if I don't give up, if I don't hang up, if I don't quit, it could be to the praise, honor, and glory of when he comes back. Hallelujah. Mercy. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, whom having not seen, verse 8, none of us in here have seen Jesus. You love him, though. If you know him, if you know him as your Savior, you love him. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, look what the Bible says, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 6 says, wherein you greatly rejoice. In verse number seven, in verse number eight, it, it concludes with joy unspeakable, full of glory. Look up here, look up here. On both sides, wherein you greatly rejoice. Joy unspeakable. No, oh, I'll just go ahead and say, blessed be God. In between there, you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says in those verses in between there? Six, seven, and eight, eight, six, seven, what it says? If you need be, that for a season, you're going through great heaviness. But on both ends, you can still rejoice greatly. I'm talking like unspeakable joy and full of glory. Is everybody hearing me? Oh, honey, if anybody, if anybody ought to be giving glory to God, it ought to be people like us. Oh, blessed be God. <laughs> it's awesome. I love the Bible when I can see stuff like that and tell people about it. It's wonderful. Let me pray with you. Dear God, we sure love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for putting up with us. Thank you that we can rejoice. And we're not faking it. It's real. We can rejoice with joy unspeakable. We have so much to rejoice about. So God, even though we're in this season of heaviness, I pray that our eyes will be fastened on you and the joy still will shine forth.
what you've done for us. We sure love you. Looking forward to what you're going to do. It's in your holy name we pray, Christ. Amen.